welcome to the Fringe in Review and we're here still at Brighton Fringe and I've got two fascinating conversations coming up. One from home theatre maker and by home I mean uh, made in Brighton. So local Fringe here from a company with national, even international reputation uh, and that is uh, Sam Chittenden and uh, her latest production at Brighton Fringe. And my second conversation is going to be with Patrick Keeley and they're coming from uh, outside of Brighton into their first Brighton Fringe and we're talking about Caravan of Love and we're going to be talking about writing process and we're going to be talking about the decision still to bring a show to Brighton Fringe during Covid and we're going to be talking about the nature of love. So two contrasting conversations here at Brighton Fringe. Today it's rainy, today it's windy and there is theatre happening indoors and there's theatre happening outdoors and there is theatre happening online and it's all fringe and a lot of it is as fresh as the wind that's blowing through the back doors here as I record this intro to the Fringe in Review podcast. I've said before people are saying it as if it's a new thing to say regularly these are the strangest times that we're living in and people are talking about the new normal and suggesting that the new normal is going to be this mix now. In universities they call it blended learning Online, they've called it multimedia and given it other names, but there's going to be theatre online for quite a while to come. And there's going to be theatre that's mixing online and the physical world. And theatre is back. It's back indoors and it's back outdoors. And um, it's here throughout September. And so not just talking to two theatre makers, but we'll be reflecting more on Fringe throughout September. But my first chat was with Sam Chittenden of Different Theatre talking about her love of history and talking about the new show that they brought to Brighton Fringe this year. When we went into when we went into lockdown and we were told we couldn't leave our homes, basically live performance also was locked down. And as editor of Fringe Review, I was in touch with a lot of people and quite a lot talked about just simply not performing until this was all over. Others immediately headed online, either with you know, transposed or transferred versions of their live shows or actually saw this new medium as a creative opportunity. Uh, what happened to you, Sam Chittenden? Um, a bit of all of that, I think. And, I'm, and I think I'm still trying to work out what the, what the right strategy is or the right response is. So um, I, to start with, probably just threw myself into writing new stuff not quite knowing when when it might see the light of day um it was a sort of stubborn um withdrawal <laughs> um but i've i've subsequently started to to put stuff online so i've got a couple of things that have either been streaming recently or will stream um in the not too distant future um and then we kind of ummed and ahed about which of our shows um, would be suitable to bring back to live theatre when that became possible. So Clean, the musical, which was due to happen in May, is, is a big show with a big cast and sort of logistics of rehearsals are really tricky. So we've shelved that until hopefully next May. Um, but Unquiet Slumbers, which is the show we've got coming up at, at the fringe at the end of the month, is a, is a two-hander. Um, in which one of the characters is is dead and probably can't actually touch the other. So it's sort of, mm. it lends itself quite, 
quite well to um, to a sort of distance performance. We hope. Mm. That's a very long yeah. answer to your. Question. Oh, it's a good answer. And it, but in terms of then this radical change, I mean, has it been a creative opportunity or just a coping? Um, for me, it has it has actually been a creative opportunity because it's actually. Um, I I went to France for for five months where my husband is based most of the time and he's got a small recording studio there and we've we wrote something together while we were there in sort of in in forced proximity Um, but you know time we wouldn't have had together not doing you know focus time when we weren't either of us able to do anything else and I guess we've kind of made made an asset or you know an advantage out of what could have been um a pain so so in that respect it's been an opportunity but obviously the you know the the kind of pipelines a bit um blocked in terms of getting any of this stuff to audiences in in the way that we would want Mm. so yeah so here in the brighton fringe autumn season tell us about the piece well so it's it's a piece called unquiet slumbers um subtitled the haunting of emily bronte and it's, it's essentially based on an imagined meeting between Emily Bronte and her character, Catherine Earnshaw from, from Wuthering Heights. So, so rather than Cathy knocking at Heathcliff's window and coming to haunt him, she's come to, to haunt Emily instead. Um, who's, whose fault everything is, of course, because Emily wrote it all. Um, yeah. And, and so... From the theatre-making point of view, then, how has this made it to the stage during, or well, an easing lockdown? Well, we so we um, we've done we've done this show as a preview previously. So the the two actors I've I've got have previously done it, and we were due to do it in in May in Fringe. So we'd sort of yeah. So we undenied about whether it was feasible to do it with. Um, a smaller audience, essentially, which is kind of that's the that's the kind of big um, the big issue we've got with with doing it now rather than waiting is we, we, we can only fit 15 people into the suite venue space instead of, a, you know, the maximum of 50. Frankly, lo- never likely to get 50. So, um, you know, it's not it's not as huge a reduction as that might sound. But, uh, you know, the, the, I guess the big the big unknown is how many people are yet ready to go to the theatre. So we've sort of done all of our bit and we have to just hope that people are both missing live theatre enough and kind of um, courageous or determined enough to to walk down the road and, and come and see the theatre live rather than any other way. Mm. And in terms of the, I suppose, the theatre makers that have said to me, well, we're not doing it because it's not viable. Yeah. And then you've decided this is viable anyway. Well, financially, I'm not sure that it is viable, but that's, you know, so that's, I suppose, a part of that determination, that bloody mindedness that says, well, we've, you know, we've got, we've got, if, if, if I wait, um, I'm not sure I will be able to put it on next year, but, you know, various kind of uh, availability issues and resources issues and having got to this point, um, um, you know, th- th- I guess the financial risks are, are less in terms of not not losing as much. You know, stand to, to not lose as much money as I might have done with a with a big 
a big auditorium and hardly to anyone turning up. So at least if hardly anyone turns up this time, um, you know, we stand to lose less. But we, you know, we may well not cover our costs. But hmm. yeah, that's and there wouldn't be a first all, in, you yeah. know, in, in fringe theatre yeah. not to not to make any money, would it? No. So all of that aside, what what do you love about the work you make? Oh, the words, the um, the ability to imagine stuff and pl to play with that imagination, to play with other worlds or other other scenarios, and just and see what happens, and then to work with brilliant actors who bring bring their own take to that work and just and just help take it in different directions show me things that i hadn't thought about discover new things together just the you know the whole kind of process of of playing with stuff i love and more than once your work has has delved into history um what what is it about history that you that inspires you to bring theater in the now I guess there's something, there's just something curious about, I suppose, you know, history and I suppose sometimes things that we we know a little bit about or we think we know a little bit about. Um, so it's a a starting point or a kind of launch pad for thinking about new new things. I mean, so so this one is, is, is fundamentally about Emily Bronte and it's about, you know, informed by my love of both of her work, but my fascination with her as as a person. Um, I mean, the whole Bronte family is a sort of um, challenged, you know, incredibly talented family of people, but, were, you know, living in desperate times in difficult circumstances. And Emily is just incredibly elusive. I, you know, we can kind of find out some stuff from her from her novel, her one novel that was published, at least where it's thought that she wrote a second but we don't know what happened to it and there's some suggestion that Charlotte her sister destroyed it because she was so appalled by the way she wrote um we, you know we know something about her from her poems which are which are just fascinating she just had this amazing love of nature and the world and a sort of wildness of of about the moors that we sort of definitely see reflected in Wuthering Heights but it, but it also, I suppose, um, you know, it speaks to to her own darkness and her sort of the challenges she was having with her with her identity. So that that's what I'm exploring. So Kathy comes as a sort of you know a way to get Emily to to confront herself and think about who she is. If theatre is a shared experience, and during these very strange times we live in unlike, say, the Edinburgh Fringe, where people might have just picked up a free ticket and they'll wander in and see something. Yeah. Uh, the, the audience that is coming is coming because they really want this to be happening. Do you think that that will affect the dynamic of the whole experience for both performer and audience this time? Um, I kind of hope so. I mean, I suppose my, my work tends to be fairly niche anyway. It's not the sort of stuff that people just sort of oh, just go along and see what that's like. You know, generally people have, it strikes me, have sort of thought about the kind of theatre they like and therefore seek it out rather than, you know, which is why, why it's a sort of um, a select kind of audience that I tap into. So I think that's always the case. But yeah, I, I think people are having to make more conscious decisions about just about going to see anything at the theatre. So I, I guess I feel that they will be hungry 
for stuff that that feeds their minds and hearts and souls and i i hope this gives them that and and i think this is a piece about about who we are and how we connect with each other as well as ourselves and i think at the you know at this current time that's very prescient so i i hope that people kind of get some sort of uh, affirmation i suppose of of kind of humanity from coming to to theatre in general. I mean, that kind of sounds a bit grand. Mm. I love it when someone has to answer the phone or the front door on an interview. Thanks. I have, I have to, to know. <laughs> I have to know who that was. Oh, it's just a delivery. It's um, I don't. Know. Oh, don't say it was Amazon. It, say it was it the Grim Reaper or something. It wasn't Amazon, but it's a bit of wood <laughs> for, for making um, something. Yeah. There we go. Well, that's all staying in the interview. And finally, <laughs> then, um, despite all the uncertainties, are you really happy to be back? Back in the theatre? Yeah, back in the real world. In the real world. Um, I don't I, I, I'm not sure I know what that means. Am I... Well, I, it's been that's been the metaphor that you know. I mean, there's been some great online work, and French have oh, you right, seen okay. quite a bit of it. But but the physical world is being referred to as if it's more real. Okay, I get it. Yeah, am I so? Yes, I've you know I've I've missed I've missed that direct immediate audience reaction to stuff. So it's great to do stuff online, but you don't you know you don't get that. You don't hear the kind of size or. Gaffs, or, or the silences even that mean something different when when they're in the in the live space um and you know being able to play with the with the dynamics between actors on stage is very different so yeah i'm looking i'm really looking forward to that i'm looking forward to rehearsing other stuff as well with that in mind those of you listening to this on your sofas your peloton bikes maybe sitting in the garden <laughs> You could be one of those sighs. <laughs> yeah, come and sigh at my work in a good way. <laughs> Sam has always been fascinated by history, but also locality. And a lot of her previous work has drawn upon Brighton. And that was a treat at previous fringes. Patrick Healy and Theatre Nation have worked in a different way and Patrick in this interview talks about how they work, talks about their writing process but particularly I was interested in some conversations that were very sort of divergent in the questions. One was around love and with a show called Caravan of Love I was interested in the question probably impossible to answer but are we changing our conceptions of love uh, through this experience of Covid that we're all going through? And it's not really an experience of COVID, it's what that, that is bringing about in the world. And it has certainly disrupted the theatre world. And that was something else that we chatted about. So a show that came to Brighton Fringe and is a physical show, but Patrick also talks about the possibilities of what streaming is bringing and will bring in the future. Here on the Fringe in Review podcast with Patrick Keeley from Theatre Nation. Patrick, first time at Brighton Fringe in the weirdest year known to humanity? <laughs> that just about sums it up. I just say to everybody, hey guys, it's life and wartime. 
So tell us what what was around the decision that we're still going to do it. Uh, what was around the decision? Good, good point. Um, I, I felt it was like um, just um, we're going to have to deal with the new world order at some point, and it felt like sooner rather than later, some of us were going to have to be pioneers and just come out into the open and see if we get eaten by lions. Yeah. Now tell us the name of the show and what it's all about. Uh, cool. Yeah, it's um, it's Theatre Nation's uh, current show, which is called Caravan of Love, uh, which is written by um, my colleague and co-producer, Tom Daldry, who's a young emerging writer. It's actually his first play. He's written several other plays since, but we decided this one felt absolutely right to revive. We'd done it in Prague and uh, Barnstable and Hastings, and we decided it was it was an appropriate piece to do it's all about isolation and it just seemed to have the right kind of um theme for the for the time yes of its time so what kind of theater does theater nation make uh we make um it's it's an interesting it's i'd I'd say we're a kind of hybrid We, we i've done a lot of physical theater and um uh very visually oriented and very um dynamic i suppose um in terms of staging but i'm also my background is also very strongly in text so i like to work with powerful texts and then find the physical language for that text uh, the physical and the emotional language of that uh, text so i like tom's work because it's very spare it's quite mysterious and it leaves a lot of space to create um uh, you know a whole kind of stage language to accompany the work so it's beyond behavioural or naturalistic kind of theatre. And do you think you're you're going to be impacted by or have to adapt to the idea of an audience that is socially distanced? Totally, um, yes. And and I think um, I've been working with David Glass recently, and uh, we're we're starting a big project with him over three years called the Beckett Pandemic Project because we were doing Wait for Godot, which got cancelled. We were about to take it out on a fifteen date tour. And um, we literally got cancelled five days before opening. So I had to rethink exactly what my company was going to do. And we spoke to David and um, started um, thinking about, you know, how what what we realised is those of us who have always been, in a sense, working in alternative theatre and um, if you want to call it on the margins of the mainstream, are more flexible and more nimble at, at this time. So we're already, like lots of other young and, and emerging companies and alternative companies, thinking about different ways now of creating and how you now connect with an audience. I think um, most companies like my my company would really look at any project we're doing, which we'll do with this one, for instance. We would naturally now create a streaming version because obviously there are people who can't or, or feel unsure about coming out to you know embodied work they don't want to come out and and see things live yet they're not ready for that but we still want new work to be available and um we have to keep moving forward and creating i think that's really really vital and i guess going into a future where flying everywhere isn't going to be viable you know your audience in the us you know may have to watch it streaming your audience in china or russia the, the audience potentially when you stream is huge and absolutely. you know people are, people are in favor of it or not in favor of it but it is the way people are going uh, it's absolutely i mean i i i, I say again because i'm 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 an old, i'm an older performer and director i've been around a long time 
And um, and I've been saying to people, you know, with my young company, I'm saying, well, the, you know, the 21st century finally hit with a bang. You know, it took the first decade or two for us to really get a measure of what the 21st century is going to be. And it is definitely going to be highly digital. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Everything in, in, in terms of the way you create work um, and, and the different platforms that you use. So I think you, that this combination, we're calling it sort of... Um, um, you know, both live and streamed work. I think any project you do, you have to think about how would it work as a streamed um, mm. uh, experience. So we created this uh, particular production with a kind of stream in mind. It's framed in a very particular way. The design is very brilliant and um, it, it looks really good um, within a kind of you know, um, screen format. So we had to think about how would it work as a live performance for those who are able or willing, but how would it work effectively and not just look like, oh, they stuck a camera in front of a stage yeah. play. Yeah. Final question. Is this COVID experience we're all having changing our conceptions of love? Wow. What an amazing question. Um, I think, that's a very hard question to answer. That's like um, so philosophical. I mm -hmm. think what's happening during COVID in my experience within my own peer group and my networks and my friendship groups and, and you know, those I, I love very closely is there's a kind of intensity. And, uh, you know, that, that thing, I don't know if you have that experience of you meet somebody that you're very fond of and immediately your impulse is to hug. And, and you stop yeah. yourself and you think, I, I can't express myself in the way that I would normally. So there's a kind of there's a kind of space between you that is full of yearning and full of that need to connect. And I think that hunger is really powerful. And I think it's very present in a lot of our um, relationships right now. The caravan of love has just arrived at Brighton's Fringe. Thank you very much, Patrick. Brilliant. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having us. Take care. So that's the Fringe in Review episode three coming to a close. And as I look out the window and see a very autumnal day with a mix of rain and very ferocious wind, we are coming to the end of the first week of Brighton Fringe and it makes you think and what it makes well it makes me think and what it makes me think about is where we'll be this time next year will Brighton Fringe be back in May will it continue to have an autumn season what's happening to the models that people are say can't continue of largeness and growing and bigger and bigger and perhaps a slightly corporate spin on the arts that a lot of fringe festivals have brought has it been good that fringes were brought, brought to a screaming stop and then had to rethink? Well, certainly this fringe is smaller, but already from the interviews in this episode and previous ones, the spirit of restless creativity is still there. And it's a strange mix of making do and coping, but also of innovating and reinventing and accepting perhaps the digital world, but also being suspicious about it. Well, well, we'll be back with more conversations because I think this this month we're really inquiring into what Fringe is all about, perhaps what the wider world of the arts is about and where it's all heading. See you soon. <laughs>